passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Moxley taking off the boot of Joey Janela. He's barefoot in the tags. No! And we are live, everybody. Welcome to Post Wrestling's AEW Fighter Fest post show. I'm waiting. This is Davey Portman. Um, he is here filling in for John, who is, of course, away uh, just for Canada Day as part of a, a little uh, vacation at a cottage. So, uh, Davey, thank you for joining me. Uh, we are here to talk about AEW's Fighter Fest, uh, AEW's very second show. Uh, you joined me and John for the first uh, one, Double or Nothing, uh, a few months ago. I think a, a month ago. About a month ago. About I a think, month yeah. ago. Um, what are your, were your expectations heading into this particular show? Because it was not really built to be as big. Uh, no, I I didn't really have. I wasn't expecting a a huge show. Um, obviously, All Out is their their next big one. I've I've tried to catch up over the last couple of days watching the uh, the Road to Fighter Fest and stuff, and it. It feels like a lot of these um, these matches are just filling time uh, until the next uh, big event. But that they did a good job in trying to hype up some of these. Um, but I think in general there wasn't really the. Um, I think there's the interest going in. People just want to see this product at the moment. But actual storyline wise, there hasn't isn't the anticipation as much. Yeah, I would say like for both this show and mm, to a lesser extent, like maybe double or nothing outside of like Dustin versus uh, Cody. But even a, a match like that wasn't necessarily built on like that much build up. No. There's a lot of story there there that's already there because they're brothers and it's already sure. kind of built in. But uh, for the most part, I find like all these shows are largely just built kind of on, on the cards and, and the stars that are appearing on them. This was certainly a show that I think... Um, did it have any marquee matches that you were partic- particularly interested in? Not going into it, no. Um, I think I think the interest of uh, Moxley at the moment, uh, we've only seen uh, his two uh, two New Japan matches, I believe, so far. Mm-hmm. And this being his first AEW match, I, I think I-, I was never a big fan of him in WWE, but there's a lot of interest of how different he's going to be. And obviously, a, like a no DQ, hardcore, unsanctioned, whatever you want to call it, 
um, that's his playground. That's what he's used to. So I think there, there was interest there because I really wanted to see how far is he going to go with this. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, obviously, the elite are always entertaining. The Lucha Brothers, always fantastic. I knew nothing about um, Laredo Kid. Uh, so that was interesting. But I wouldn't say I was particularly hyped for any of the matches too mm. much. Um, let's uh, get into the show itself. I want to thank everybody who's joining us in the chat room right now. And uh, we want to go to your calls, but we'll be doing so after our review itself. So uh, I'll be giving out the phone number a little bit later. But for now, let's get into our review. Uh, let's. It starts off with... Uh, Basically, a, a bit of a the, the whole thing. If you haven't been following uh, the the build up on uh, the the YouTube channel, is that the reason they're calling it the Fire Festival is be- is because it's a take on. Sorry, the reason why they're calling it the Fighter Festival is because it's a take on the popular Fire Festival uh, series of documentaries and just the whole event itself, um, where basically it, it's the story of a much hyped about series of concerts that went catastrophically wrong so so wrong that it's kind of become almost a legend uh and so we have the fire festival and we see this set as the show begins featuring a number of hurricane tents palm trees bikini models just like the real fire festival uh where this event takes place is a gaming convention called ceo which is i guess famous for fighting video games it's a tournament for fighting video games this is uh the second event that they've done last year they held a new japan pro wrestling uh themed event that kenny omega also helped organize uh and so this was kind of very much a sequel but this time with aew instead so on commentary for the buy-in we have logan sama and golden boy who are two video game commentators that also participated in last last year's show and joining them this year is excalibur who did pretty much all the play-by-play on this show what do you think of Excalibur? I think he's fantastic. Um, he really knows his stuff. He knows every single person there, um, their history, their moveset, uh, everything. I, I think he's great. He's got a great sound to his voice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right level of enthusiasm to get you excited about big moments without it ever sounding forced. Um, yeah, I, I, I was impressed with him in the last show. Very impressed with him in, with this show. Um, the two guys they had with him for the uh for the for the pre-show yeah and golden boy stayed throughout the whole thing i pref- i wouldn't say they were great but i preferred to uh alex marvez who was off the show completely yeah this time i i don't remember exactly who it was whether it was logan or golden boy but i thought one of them like really did show like a real kind of knowledge of pro wrestling and new japan pro wrestling in particular I last think that year was golden boy because he stayed on throughout the whole show and yeah. i believe the other guy only did the pre yeah um, i would think so i would think so too um he was less of a factor this this show because you know you had excalibur there who you really sure. kind of topples everybody in terms of knowledge and and everything and jim ross kind of uh, maybe we'll be chatting a bit more about Jim Ross yeah. a little bit later as well. We start off with our first match. It is the best friends taking on SCU, taking on the debuting private party who uh, have been much hyped through a series of YouTube videos on being the elite as well as uh, Road to Fight Fighter uh, Fest. And the story of this match is that the winning team receives an opportunity at a buy in the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament. Did I get that right? So you you fight an extra match to not fight a first match in the tournament. It It's very convoluted, I think. It was maybe not. And they didn't seem to talk about it much at all, the stipulation yeah. during this show. So I don't know if they've kind of 
quietly dropped it or i imagine it's or just realize it sounds so complicated i I have to think it might be that Mm. uh but they kind of more more so built up the 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 stipulation of the matches saying uh the winning team gets to participate at all out for sure which is where that match is going to be taking place yeah so uh much of this match was really centered around private party uh, they clear house with a number of really high, um, impressive high-flying double-team maneuvers. They received really the first big reaction of the night from the audience, and a private party chant almost immediately erupts. SCU and the best friends have to actually team up against private party to even the odds, and that's when the best friends deliver a double-team suplex to Isaiah Cassidy on the floor. The best friends eliminate SCU from the ring. They embrace and then receive a big reaction and a best friends chant. The best friends work over Cassidy for a long time. But with Mark Quinn removed from his corner, Isaiah Cassidy has to reluctantly tag in Kazarian. So at this point, SCU and the best friends exchange a number of big moves. Uh, Quinn blind tags Kaz to get back in. He hits a beautiful shooting star press to Beretta for two. SCU hit an unprettier and double stomp combo onto Cassidy for two. Quinn and Kaz are up top. And... Beretta jumps up to hit a German suplex to Quinn from the top rope, but Quinn lands on his feet and he step up Hurricane Rana's Kaz directly into a cutter from Cassidy for two. Eventually, the best friends are left alone with Isaiah Cassidy and they hit the strong zero for the victory. I thought a pretty fun opener. Um, have you seen Private Party before? No, I haven't. No. Only in clips. Okay. Um, we uh, I watched with Braden the road to fight fest yesterday and i gotta say their videos didn't have me interested i was actually i was actually quite bored watching them really yeah i don't know what it was but we both felt the same it just is it at at this point we've seen so much of this style it's just repetitive it was like we get it yet i mean this is nothing to do with their wrestling just like how they were hyping themselves it's like okay we get it you're your best friends and you're you're working really hard and they kind of seem to keep on saying that so i kind of went into this being like oh these are those guys that bored me yesterday mm-hmm. i thought uh mark quen really seems to be the star of this team i thought he really impressed me um he's the he's the gentleman with the colored hair and yes had his sunglasses on for half the match mm-hmm. um yeah they as the match went on they they won me over i thought the uh the sequence where there's the superplex from the top but Quen lands on his feet, and then there's the Hurricanrana into the cutter. Uh, I thought that was really um, innovative and fun, and got a really it, the crowd were biting then, uh, really thinking that these guys could actually win it. Uh, I thought this was fun opener. I thought it was a great opener. Um, it was. I found a match that was almost exclusively built to showcase Private Party, and mm. um, so much so that like I thought it was re- really kind of brilliantly designed that. They looked so impressive that you had the best friends at SCU have to team up in order to to face for them. sure. So um, you could see, like I would say, throughout most of this match, like much of the the thinking I'm sure behind it all was to give that spotlight to some of the more unknown talent. Completely, yeah. You know, and and you it started off here in the first match. Um, uh, we go to immediately after the match with uh, the best friend standing in the ring. On the screen is. The Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, they appear. They have chosen the best friends to be their first opponents. The lights go out, and then the Dark Order's minions suddenly surround the best friends in the ring when the lights come back on. You're expecting them to, like, attack, to do something, but instead it's really just them standing, looking at each other, then the lights go back out, and they come back on and the minions are gone again. I actually quite like that, that they 
they played with you a bit because I think we were expecting, as you said, like like last time, they'll come up again, they'll be in the ring, they'll beat them down. Yeah. And we've seen that before. I think this was more like, oh, we, we can get you if you want, but we'll let you off this time. Y- yeah, I, 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 I respectfully disagree. Okay. I, I feel like the lights coming on and off is just at this point, unless you're The Undertaker or Sabu, I think kind of like such a, I don't cliche. know, cliche sure. and easy gimmick. Like everybody knows you're, only taking that time to like storm in and out unless there's something visually impressive about you know whoever's appearing unless it's a surprise i didn't really feel like there was that much you know uh oomph attached to like an appearance like this i i thought it sucked the first time they did it because nobody knew who nobody knew who they were Mm -hmm. i think now they've they've introduced this gimmick and they've kind of gotta stick with it for a bit and keep reminding you who they are. So I I didn't have so much of a problem this time around. Backstage, the Young Bucks are complaining about this show because it's been draining AEW of their budget. Uh, They continue this Firefest parody as Nick and Matt appear in testimonial-style interviews. They complain about the lack of private jets, the tents, uh, the cheese sandwiches, and the lack of organic salmon. Kenny meets with them, who assures them that everything is going to be okay, okay, including their gear for tonight. Uh, In another testimonial-style interview, Matt Jackson says Kenny ended up spending so much on their gear that they can only now afford half the bikini models on stage. So we come back to the ramp as two of the four bikini models are replaced with mannequins. Uh, I found this pretty funny. Did it work for you, this whole Fighterfest thing? It got me um, more interested to see what their gear was going to be and obviously the payoff was pretty great later on um how do you feel about them doing like these uh being the elite sketches in their actual shows and do you see this being their style when they actually go to tv or is it going to be a bit more traditional and what we're used to from say wwe or other shows well this show and i think even like fight fight for for, for the fallen they'll continue to be, to be really interesting to see just if anything just to see like how AEW style guide will continue to evolve mm. you know what hints that at what their tv show is ultimately going to look like i imagine you can't completely abandon the tone of being the elite it's kind of like part of these guys identity like especially sure. kenny and the bucks they're, they're comedy based guys so i imagine you'll still see a great deal of that personality i think you'll see it probably reeled back a little bit um at least in the main event i think the, i think they're still very good about keeping the main events very serious but for like light things to open the show like this sure i think you'll still see a great deal of it you know the way we saw it shot was obviously with, with much higher quality cameras than you know your typical cell phones mm. that they use i imagine that to be probably something similar to what we're actually going to get on the tv show but there's still a few months away you know so yeah we'll I, see. i'm just not sure how uh how much it's going to work for bringing in new viewers perhaps the humor you mean the humor because it's very uh it's very much for those established fans people that know like uh the wrestling business and in this case the whole fire festival thing what they're actually uh mocking anyway but isn't that the whole audience right now isn't that AEW's audience the people that are on pro wrestling tees the people that know all these guys from from the the rest of the sure but if you're flicking through your channels and you see a being the elite sketch on tv as mm. as someone who doesn't know anything about wrestling is it going to land as much as just traditional storytelling it's a good question i mean but depends what you mean by st- traditional storytelling you know is it is what the wwe well just right now, um less tongue-in-cheek i guess hmm. like 
I mean, this is all very much playing playing up, and they're playing a character like a. I'm trying to think how to articulate it. Do you see what I'm getting at? Just like not, not more. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not so kind of like you know, uh, like only made for like maybe a room of people. For sure, something that maybe you know your mom watching what might might be interested in. Yeah, like you can tune in and you get what the story is going on. Flicking right. through, it's like, oh, this is bad guy, good guy, or this is a setup for this. Mm-hmm. Not so much in jokes and things. They've kind of built their brand on like in jokes. Absolutely, though. everything, all those digs at the WWE, like that's that's all stuff that you have to kind of follow this the business to really yeah. understand. So it'll be really interesting to see what, what what gets sacrificed when they move to TNT. Let's go to our next match now. This was a match that I don't think was ever officially confirmed. It had only leaked out through like an ITB posting somewhere. But it was Leva Bates, the librarian, taking on Ali, both of them making their AEW debuts. Um, Leva Bates walks out to stage and she starts shushing the crowd. And she is met with Peter Avalon, who is found hiding inside one of the hurricane tents on stage. Avalon proceeds to destroy the tent and the bikini mannequins, uh, resulting in both librarians to receive a great deal of booze. Uh, One fan is immediately heard yelling, this gimmick sucks. Bates cuts a promo vouching for the virtues of books over video games to this predominantly video game playing CEO crowd. Um, the audience responds by chanting, we can't read. And uh, they each ident- identify themselves as the librarian. They start shushing each other as Allie interrupts with her entrance. How, how do you feel about the librarian gimmick, David? I hate it. I don't get it at all. This might be kind of like going into what you were saying about maybe the show getting too silly. Yeah. Uh, for an audience that clearly likes some of the silliness, but obviously tends to prefer the the seriousness uh when the AEW provides it's interesting because like certain things work like the 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 dick druids i thought real absolutely well absolutely but this was kind of not that you know i mean i don't watch being the elite uh, the elite every week i Mm. i do tune in every now and then i've seen this gimmick before i just i i don't really get it and i also feel you're this is the the free show, isn't it? This is the pre-show Bye. that's for free. So anyone yeah. who's kind of um, going, do I want to buy this? Do I not? Like, let's see what they're doing. For me, this is shitty, corny WWE joke stuff. And I, I'd flick on and go, oh, it, it's same old shitty wrestling comedy. It was certainly part of the criticism of, of the last buy-in for Double or Nothing. You know, uh, uh, that, uh, the, the librarian, int- uh, per, what is it, uh, appearance last time, mm. as well as, uh, you know, the, even the, the Battle Royal. Um, this show, they certainly started off with like a really hot match. Absolutely. Think, you know, was, was indicative of the actual AEW style, but I could understand if people only saw this and then maybe what was to come afterwards yeah. and having those same criticisms of this buy-in. So the match starts off. Um, Leva is about to shush Allie, but Allie grabs her finger and she stomps on it. We see Brandy Rhodes, Allie's fight for the fallen opponent, watch on a TV screen backstage. And very important to note that Brandy was watching the TV facing directly as the camera <laughs> panned around to show her looking at it over the shoulder, like a normal human being would. Nice. Um, Allie is in control for a lot of the match. She runs the ropes, but is tripped by P- Peter Avalon outside, who's almost just kind of playing like a valet, at least in, in this iteration. Um, and she he just kind of like repeats what Leva Bates has to say, because in storyline, he's supposed to have a crush on her. 
Anyway, Bates is now in control. The audience begins a hooked on phonics chant, which Davey, I guess they don't really have in England. Maybe they do. And I'm just oblivious. But no, I don't think so. Um, Bates applies the rings of Saturn to Allie, placing a finger into Allie's mouth to shush her. Bates then delivers the double knees to Allie in the corner. Allie strikes back with the hang neck breaker to send both wrestlers down. Um, Allie eventually goes for her best super kick ever, but it's countered with Bates' lung blower. Bates hits her pedigree for two. Avalon then gets on the apron and attempts to throw his book at Leva for her to use on Allie, but instead, Allie intercepts it, throws the book at Leva, which distracts her and allows her to hit her BSE for the victory. I thought the actual match was good. Um, I thought it was it was fine. Um, I liked Allie. I thought she looked pretty impressive with her strikes. They looked pretty vicious. Um, I did like, as much as I dislike the gimmick, I did like her shushing Ali as she's screaming from the submission. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah. Um, that worked for me. Um, yeah, the, the match was fine, I thought. I thought the gimmick really, like, hampered, I think, the reaction to the match. Um, it's clear, like, this audience sees this gimmick as, like... Um, too much sports entertainment yeah. and not enough, like, you know, funniness, uh, not enough kind of wittiness. It was really just something that was introduced, like, in the form of a contest that the elite almost, like, portrayed as something like Tony Khan mandated them to do for some reason. Mm. We still don't exactly know why. Um, but the audience is cl- clearly kind of turning on it. And then we've seen AEW be able to kind of play with that. As heels, it almost kind of, you know... It might work out that they're actually hated and that they represent maybe sports entertainment, uh, like corporate version For of sure. sports, sports entertainment. I didn't think the match was really all that strong, but I thought Ali looked good. The finish to me of throwing the book and everything was almost like exactly what we just said, like kind of cliche sports entertainment sure. stuff. Um, we'll we'll see if that turns into anything. You would think someone like Lever Bates, though, with this crowd, she's she's known for being a cosplayer and stuff. If you knew this fighter fest was coming up, I mean, I'm sure they knew a while ago. You could probably go more that route with her. Yeah, it's it's strange though. I don't know if she was hired before the gimmick. She was one of the people who responded with with a video, right? So I don't know if they're necessarily booking for her. We saw plenty of cosplaying in the main event, though. True. Or second <laughs> semi-main. Um, backstage, Brandon Cutler informs Kenny Omega that all the bands scheduled to perform tonight have canceled. And then the main event of our buy-in show, Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley in a hardcore match. Alex Jabaley is the founder of CEO, so I guess, uh, you know, somewhat of a name to this video game audience. Um, He receives pyro for his entrance. And the match begins after a Nakazawa Nakazawa promo. Uh, And Nakazawa finds out that Jabaley's left leg is the injured leg, so he starts attacking it. Um, Jabaley responds with some of the worst forearm strikes that I've probably ever seen. Uh, but I think the move he does decently is a wrestling 101 body slam, yeah. which he did multiple times. Jabaley rear waist locks Nakazawa, but Nakazawa pulls out his baby oil and slips out. Jabaley and then Bre- referee Bryce Remsburg both sell by slipping on the baby oil. Nakazawa continues to pour baby oil all over uh, Jabaley's bare chest, and then he hits a running double slump, which results in him sliding and slipping it and turning it into a senton. Um, on the floor, Jabaley uses a clipboard and a joystick. Uh, whether or not this was like an official CEO joystick or not, I'm not sure, but it was handed to him by Twitch founder and Justin Not TV, 
founder, Justin Wong. Damn. <laughs> it's a big deal to somebody. <laughs> they brawl to the inflatable pool near the stage. Jabali attempts to drown Nakazawa in the inflatable pool. Nakazawa uses an inflatable flamingo on Jabali. Jabali body slams Nakazawa into the inflatable pool as the ch- crowd chants, Holy shit. Uh, Jabili digs up various weapons from beneath the ring. It's really interesting to see this main event um, <laughs> and compare it to the actual the main real event main event, yeah, because they were uh, very similar matches, but I guess uh, for different ratings. Uh, so Jabili digs up weapons from beneath the ring, including a table and a GameCube controller, not a Wii controller, not a Switch. Well, they're wireless, a- so. Wouldn't be as effective. Right. He's got to get back to the wired, wired generation mm. of video games. So it was a Nintendo GameCube controller. Nakazawa takes the controller and he proceeds to strangle Jabali off of the side of the ring, uh, hanging him basically with this controller. And then in what I thought was the funniest part of the match, he starts pressing the buttons in the, on the joystick as he's choking him. Nakazawa then bites Jabali, spears him through uh, off the apron through a table, he refuses to pin him, however, so he starts unleashing kendo stick shots onto him. And then Nakazawa goes to remove a thong from his underwear, which is his finish. It's it's an iron claw with a thong attached to it. Jabali intercepts the claw with a released German, sends Nakazawa on his head. Um, and then <laughs> Jabali goes underneath the ring to reveal a big bag of arcade push buttons. Nakazawa takes a huge back body drop onto the buttons and uh, this crowd reacted big for that. Nakazawa escapes multiple kendo sh- stick shots from Jabali, sets up the thong cl- claw, but Jabali ducks and hits referee Rice- Bryce Remsburg instead with the thong claw. So at this point, Jabali hits his finisher, which is La Maestral Cradle, but the referee is still out. Nakazawa then reverses the cradle and places the c- thong claw into Jabali's face as he's keeping him down for the victory. So... I started off with this match being like, what the fuck is this? Uh, this Jabali's strikes and kicks are awful. Um, I don't like these style of matches anyway. These sort of comedy matches, non-wrestler. Um, I was surprised how much Jabali was actually given uh, offensively over Nakazawa. Yeah. And then something happened. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, I was also saying after the... Like I commented with the the match before, I was surprised doing uh, two comedy things um, in the pre-show uh, when you're trying to get fans and it's a free show and more eyes on it. And but this actually really worked for me. the The whole GameCube controller was really f- uh, funny. Uh, the crowd were like popping hard when like the different weapons were coming out. Um, this yeah, this worked for me. This was very much like last year's match that, like, I really didn't expect much out of, but, like, this was, to me, a case of, like, booking for your audience. And this was a video game audience that knew who Jabali was, you know, showed him great reverence because they know him from another world. And to see him engage in this ridiculous, like, hardcore match that was very much built around a video game audience with the GameCube controller, with the arcade push buttons, I thought it worked really well. And I think Nakazawa is really, like you know, the perfect opponent because he comes from DDT and this mm. was very much that in that style of like a DDT comedy yeah, for match. Sure. I think, you know, often like matches like this might fail because they're simply not funny. But this was actually funny. It, it did make me laugh multiple times. Um, yeah, as I said, it, it really worked for me. 
I thought there were some legitimately like you know good comedy spots that were built for this audience, and like this crowd never like quieted up once. Like this was one of the hotter uh, matches yeah. for this crowd. At this point, Jim Ross makes his entrance to the announce desk where he's replacing Logan Sama to begin the pay-per-view. And our first match on the actual pay-per-view itself is Christopher Daniels versus Shima. These are two people who have known each other for a a, a very long time, uh, dating back to their days in Japan. Daniels works on Shima's back throughout the early portion of the match. Uh, Shima attempts to deliver a cross-legged fisherman buster but can't because of that injury. Daniels hits a blue thunder bomb and then hits the angel's wings for a two count. Shima lands a sunset flip powerbomb off the top turnbuckle, also for a two. Finally, Shima hits Schwine, followed by the Meteora off the top rope for the win. There was nothing wrong with this match, but it just didn't really do it for me. It didn't hit a second gear, I don't think. Mm-hmm. You, you, know what, you know both these guys are great wrestlers, and you know they're going to put on technically a good match, but... I enjoyed the last match more. I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in terms of entertainment, in terms of maybe like, you know, color, in terms of just like uh, crowd inter- interaction even. You know, I, I'm with you. I thought this was a very solid match between two veterans, uh, a very well-wrestled, modern, technical, high-flying match. Yeah. But it was nothing memorable no you know there was nothing all that spectacular i think you can look at you know performances on this show from people like private party and people like uh even darby allen i would say and and obviously joey janela um and think that you know there were great debuts mm. in uh, a great singles debuts for, for, sure. for a lot of those guys i didn't necessarily feel that way about shima you know who was no. having his biggest match in front of a, a wider crowd um there's nothing wrong that he did like i would say everything he did was well, i mean perfect it- but I, I did think his, uh, like, Meteora is a move we're seeing a lot these mm-hmm. days. And I thought his looked fantastic. It yeah. looked really deadly and it absolutely was the finish. It should have been the finish. Um, but you're right, especially when he's going to be against Omega in mm-hmm. their next event. Uh, he, he needed to shine a bit more, I think. Personally, I think what might be missing from, from from the crowd's engagement with somebody like Shima is just the lack of promotional material. Yeah. You know, like, um, he hasn't really had that much spotlight, uh, if at all, on any of the YouTube uh, videos. I would say you're probably still dealing with a large majority of the audience who really kind of maybe might know him by name, uh, might know him by reputation, but don't, still don't really know his story and who he is. So hopefully before the Omega match, you would expect that they would give him that type of press. I, I felt this was... Um, like throughout the whole show, Jim Ross, uh, I said to you as we were watching it, I just feel he doesn't bother so much with his research of actual people anymore. It seems a lot of the time he's throwing to Excalibur to mm-hmm. talk about it, and then he'll just give a a roundabout thought of a wrestler, but just based on wrestling in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Like, oh, wow, Daniels has been wrestling for 27 years. He's a veteran, and we know that. And, like, uh, Shima does, like, a Lucha-style arm drag at one point, and it's like, oh, well, you can clearly see his Lucha influences there. And I just don't feel he, he knows his stuff anymore. I kind of felt the same way about Jim Ross the last show, but I heard a lot of great feedback from people for Jim Ross on, mm. on that last show. I personally, like, I felt that he was better than maybe some of his New Japan performances, but I didn't think he was, like, that much better. And I agree with some of those points that, that you have. It was just um, saying, like, empty stuff. Like, yeah. it, it all sounds good, but it's I'm not gaining any 
anything from you. The thing is, I will say, like, having Jim Ross's, even just having his voice on the broadcast, it adds a great deal to that casual audience that you were talking yeah. about. I think it does. Yeah. For me, I I want this product to feel new and fresh. So for right. for longtime fans, I don't think his voice really does it anymore. Like, we all respect Jim Ross. He's done some of the greatest calls ever. But, but don't you think longtime fans want that familiarity? No, I think they're craving for something new. There's something new and fresh. I think having Excalibur is fantastic because he's a guy that has been on, on the outside for years and years and years, and you want someone like that getting an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm fine with Justin Roberts, even though he's an ex-WWE guy. I think his departure, he had a lot of shit going on with WWE where people want to support him and see and think he's good and see him doing it. Jim Ross, we've had for... 20 30 years it's it's going back to the well i think which i feel a lot of fans want fresh like looking fresh sounding fresh to me i don't i don't know where, like what exact how exactly jim ross might fit into you know these broadcasts beyond just lending his credibility and his voice to to the audience C- can they find a role for him where where it'll feel natural that that he belongs on the on the broadcast and he can give insight that other people can't I'm not so sure, um, but I, you know, I, I, I think Excalibur, unfortunately, to me, like, fulfills much of the role of a play-by-play guy and also a color guy yeah. to the point where even, like, this other, like, Golden Boy really kind of didn't have to say much no, throughout the broadcast either. I'll say I think I prefer Jim Ross to, to Golden Boy, who really, I don't think, added anything. Well, he didn't do anything, I don't yeah. think. But, uh, he didn't annoy me like the guy did last time, which is a positive. Uh, we go to our next match, which is Nyla Rose taking on Riho, taking on Yuka Sakazaki. Um, Riho and Sakazaki, basically, uh, two, two Joshi women uh, uh, versus Nyla Rose, of course. Um, because they are much smaller, Riho and Sakazaki basically spent this entire match teaming up to take on the giant Nyla Rose. And this match was really kind of built to, like, you know, promote the giant Nyla Rose. And I found it incredibly entertaining. Uh there, there are uh, there are a number of like really impressive spots. Riho and Zaka- Sakazaki are stacked on top of each other, and Rose basically applies a double camel clutch to the both of them. Um, there were chants of Yuka as Sakazaki delivers a springboard plancha uh, with six one nine from Riho. Uh, Riho is draped on the top rope, and then Rose goes up top. She delivers a flying knee onto Riho to, I would say, the biggest reaction of the match thus far. Maybe of the night so far. Maybe. Um, like, other yeah, than the, this was huge. Other than the video game yeah. buttons <laughs> and the GameCube. So Rose goes back up top to deliver a senton bomb, but this time Riho gets out of the way. Riho climbs up top. She delivers a diving body press that's caught by Rose. Sakazaki also dives off with her own body press, but Rose, while holding Riho, also manages to catch Sakazaki. Uh, they all topple over, which allows Riho and Yuka to get a, a two count onto Rose. Sakazaki delivers a springboard body press, but Riho blocks with her knees. Rose hits her sit-up powerbomb, uh, which is called the Beast Bomb, onto Sakazaki. Riho breaks that up with a running knee, but that inadvertently causes Sakazaki to pin Rose for two. Rose lands a DVD onto Riho for two, and then she looks for another Beast Bomb, but this time, Riho rows through the attempt into a cradle for the surprise victory. Uh, this was my favorite match so far of the night. I thought this was fantastic. Um, I thought uh, Nyla Rose was impressive with like that catch. Catching both of them was awesome. Uh, Rio's facial expressions. I've I've not seen much of. Well, I've only seen the 
the last pay-per-view, the double or nothing. That's all I've seen of these women. And I think uh, they've all done enough to make themselves remembered. I think mm-hmm. like just Yuka's uh, style, like her the sort of Aladdin pants and everything. Her, her like charisma, I thought was the strongest. Absolutely. Uh, Riho's facials though, when uh, mm-hmm. she does her entrance and she's all smiley and spinning around and stuff. And then Nyla comes out and her like, oh shit face was made me laugh. Um, the running knee breaking up the pin but causing another pin and her then being like oh I've got to break this one up as well um, I haven't really seen that much before mm-hmm. I thought that was really inventive um, I yeah I really enjoyed this match I thought it was great I, I thought it was an excellent showcase for all all three like you said but in particular obviously Nyla Rose who I think managed to have a number of really impressive power spots. Yeah. To me, Nyla Rose didn't look all that impressive in, in the in the last match she that didn't, we saw. No. Um, I thought she looked kind of sloppy, maybe a little bit slow. I would say as a as a technical wrestler, she wasn't as good, obviously, as the other two. But she offers something that none of the other women in the division, if Awesome Kong's not staying around, you know, completely. Uh, Nyla Rose like offers something that the other people don't. And I think seeing her in there with two people as 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 uh, agile as flexible and as small as uh, sakazaki and riho really highlighted rose's strengths um i'm with you i think i thought riho looked great but to me the standout was sakazaki who again like her charisma was just like off the charts so at the end here um after the match uh rose attacks riho but sakazaki saves her as uh she sends rose out of the ring so then riho recoups and shoves Sakazaki down and then Sakazaki just gives like the best sad face she looks heartbroken that you'll ever see Uh, yeah excellent facial expressions from those two in this match our next match is uh, Hangman Page taking on Jungle Boy taking on MJF taking on Jimmy Havoc and for this match Kip Sabian sits down to join the commentary team because we are told that he will be facing the winner at Fight for the Fallen to start the match MJF cuts a scathing promo not only insulting his uh, three opponents but also insulting the video game playing audience as well he says he used to love video games but then he lost his virginity (laughs) and the camera cuts away (laughs) to this dude in the front row who just they couldn't have found a better they knew this line was coming and they searched throughout that whole audience to find the guy that perfectly represents mjf's promo i felt so bad for this dude i know but he's he's he's, i'm sure he's gonna be memed he's probably memed already he's gonna be memed absolutely (laughs) poor guy um so there is a is a very fast paced match between all four men uh they break up for dives on the floor mjf is about to tease a dive but he stops short and then motions to the crowd to shove it up their ass jungle boy delivers a this like this move that excalibur calls a hanging cannonball which involves him basically like holding onto the top turnbuckle uh with his legs basically like kind of like a i couldn't work out what it was it was or his arms or something he's hanging as there are people waiting for the dive below uh but instead he just like flips off and like does kind of like a 360 or like i don't know front flip holding on with all fours wasn't he I don't remember. It, it was crazy, whatever it was. It looked a little crazy, but then uh, it turns out he, they, the announcers say that he might have clipped his feet on mm. the turnbuckle or something. So it didn't look perfect, but it did look cool. Hangman Page and MJF finally meet face-to-face alone in the ring. Um, they reveal that like the reason for this match, and I didn't even know about this, is that um, 
these four people were all involved in that Bret Hart segment at Double or yes. Nothing. I didn't even realize yeah. that, that that was the connection. But anyway, M MJF and Hangman Page, they meet face to face. They uh, uh, MJF then starts to target Page's uh, injured knee. Uh, he applies the sharpshooter as a callback to that Bret Hart interaction. But uh, Page reverses it, applies his own sharpshooter. And then MJF delivers the Heat Seeker onto Page. Jungle Boy breaks up that pin with Luchasaurus' help. Jimmy Havoc blocks MJF's Heat Seeker and hits a diving stomp onto MJF for two. Havoc tries to de deliver an Acid Rainmaker, but that's blocked with an eye poke from MJF. At this point, Page runs in. He buckshot Lariat's Havoc as MJF is thrown out of the ring. And Page hits the dead eye onto Jimmy, Jimmy Havoc for the victory. So still protecting MJF here. Yeah, that's what I took from this. They've obviously got big plans for him. They didn't want him to take the pin. Um, and I think continuing that story between MJF and, and Page, which you might see culminate at, at a later time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought a, a very good four-way between the, uh, all of them. Um, In-ring is good, but to me, what, what stands out coming out of it all is MJF, who yeah. continues to be just next-level promo. His promo's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think he was... I ha I have a lot of friends who are pretty much pure wwe fans and mm -hmm. don't check out the indies don't they're like if you if you're not in wwe i'm not interested and i know a lot of them gave double or nothing a go they were like okay there's there's gonna be some real competition let's give it a watch and mjf was the guy they were all talking about really yeah they like they'd heard they they know omega the bucks mm -hmm. jericho obviously but they were like that mjf guy was fantastic and then you hear he's only 23 yeah He's only going to get better and he's so confident in his delivery mm -hmm. and some of his lines that the first one that mother of yours who owns the basement you live in she swallows like mm -hmm. you're not going to say that on wwe tv but it no. he knows how to push buttons with the audience uh, yes yes literally with this crowd uh our next match is cody taking on darby allen and cody walks out or sorry darby allen walks out with a body bag labeled cody one one I guess to indicate he's going to break the streak, the streak of, <laughs> of Cody Rhodes and AEW, which at this point stands as one nothing. Um, I don't know if the one one was necessary. Maybe he just like ran out of space because like or he had too much extra room that he just felt like adding something onto. Yeah. It. Yeah, it was weird. So as with Cody, uh, Cody's appearances at uh, All In or, or Double or Nothing, I thought the audience reacted really well to him just even from the beginning. They're treating him kind of like a star, kind of as like the founder uh, almost of all this stuff. Yeah, it, it surprises me each time how uh, how loud people are for him because... Well, think about it. Last two shows, he, he stole the show. True, completely. So, um, yeah. And I, I think it is that that respect like a like an nxt crowd would give to triple h Absolutely. it's it's that thing as well like we we like and appreciate what you're doing thank you mm -hmm. uh so they start in a bit of a slower pace and then after a, a bit of a show of respect cody s slaps darby allen and this is when he gets into his more aggressively heel mode where he whereas he might kind of start off as like you know the babyface founder mm. character Throughout this match and also the Dustin match, there gets to be a point where he just gets back into like heel Cody mode. Yeah. So he gets a bit more aggressive, throws Allen to the steel post with Allen continuing to fall outside. He starts taunting Allen by doing push-ups inside the ring. Um, the rest of this match kind of resulted in, I would say, maybe a bit of a lukewarm reaction because it was kind of your typical Cody Rhodes being in control, doing, I think, what some people would negatively call a WWE style of like, you know, building heat. 
and it was rather slow uh resulted in maybe a number of like you know release suplexes to allen some butterfly suplex uh, a butterfly lock submissions and then just like punches and a lot of kind of posturing which really worked well for all this and and for for the dustin matches but without a story to kind of fall yeah. back on here it kind of killed the crowd it did um yeah it did kill the crowd um I thought it picked up towards the end, but the first half of this was boring. So um, what? Sorry, yeah, mm-hmm. I was just... I think also the... Darby Allen's obviously very small, but what we saw in the the triple threat match with the women is two of those ladies are very small, and one is huge. Mm-hmm. Cody's not huge. Like, he's not a small guy, but he's not... He's not like a cane or big show or whatever, which really works with ragdolling. Right. I think a normal size guy ragdolling just a little guy doesn't quite work or get the heat as much sure um and his style isn't really as aggressive and his style is more like that triple h randy orton style in this just that mm. as you said like build the heat build the heat but i thought this i understand why they didn't because you've got the crazy match later on but this needed a no dq di- uh stipulation right i i felt it needed that so uh, at about the 15 minute mark, we get a five minutes remaining in this match announcement, which um, is feels new. Like it, it, I really like this. Yeah, I mean, very much. I, I guess a holdover from other promotions, but very much, uh, you know, bring taking it more more to the sports a- a- element and, and less WWE. And they had been calling it in all the previous matches as well. They have. I didn't realize. Yeah, they. I noticed it certainly in the in the women's match. I think they said like 10 minutes remaining or something. So. Okay. Uh, which is good. If you're going to have this as the finish to a match, you plant the seeds early on. Mm-hmm. And I hope this is something they they stick with because I'd much rather see time limit draws every now and then than a dodgy DQ to protect both people. Absolutely. And it's a great way to like, yeah, exactly. Protect both guys while like, you know, focusing on the action and building to a rematch. Completely agree with you. Um, so through, earlier on in the match, uh, uh, Darby Allen injures Cody's fingers. And so in order to fight back, he continually tries to uh, attack those fingers. He he uh, uh, grabs his fingers in the middle of a in the middle of being suspended in a delayed vertical suplex. Uh, he bites his fingers. So then we go on the apron where Cody is lying down on the apron. Darby Allen then goes up top. And delivers his coffin drop, which I guess WWE fans might recognize as Kofi's like trust fall. Mm. He delivers a coffin drop onto Cody on the apron, but Cody gets out of the way, so Darby Allen lands back first, smack on the wooden uh, steel actually of of the ring. Um, crazy, crazy. I, I thought would... this was so stupid. Pre- yeah, of course. Now, like, does something like this bother you as much as maybe some of the things we saw in the main event? Uh, no, because like everyone knows what a thumbtack going into you is going to feel like, Mm -hmm. like you pricked your thumb or whatever and it hurts, but it's not going to do lasting damage. Like just going spine first into steel from a height. It's stupid. That's kind of how I feel too. And, and like, I wouldn't even say this was like the most cringeworthy spot of the show. To me, the no. most cringeworthy spot of the show is, is to come here after, a, this. A, after yeah. this. So, anyway, so um, at this point, Alan, 
is uh, put into his own body bag by Cody. Cody props him up, zips him up in the body bag, and delivers a disaster kick resulting in a two count. It was funny because like he starts pinning uh, uh, Allen, but you can't tell whether or not the dude's shoulders down, so they, he had to unzip him before I, he had the pin. I recently watched uh, Damien's documentary yes. uh, with Darby Allen, and it shows him put in the body bag with the thumbtacks and slammed. Yeah, I'm expecting this. I don't think... and I, it's obviously like very dangerous taking a worked kick to the head when you can't see anything. I don't think the audience gets that though. Right. I, I don't think the reaction you're getting from that is big enough. Mm-hmm. I'd have rather they just didn't introduce the idea of the body bag at all because mm-hmm. I, I thought it, I thought it kind of sucked. Um, Cody then takes off his weight training belt. He starts whipping Allen with it. At this point, there are thirty seconds remaining. Allen then blocks Crossroads and he delivers a stunner, but with two, 10 seconds remaining, Rhodes lands Crossroads. He starts to cover, but as he's covering, the time limit expires. And so we get our very first draw, mm. time limit draw in AEW. And the streak is over. The streak is over. <laughs> so what does he have to put, like 1-0-1 oh, yeah. on the bag? Uh, so the crowd start chanting, chanting overtime, and this is when Sean Spears, the former Ty Dillinger, comes in with a steel chair, and he nails Cody in the head, completely unprotected. And, you know, at this point, it's like, oh, gross, like, you know, unprotected chair shot. Mm. It's not until they cut to Cody back on the canvas as this giant red spot fills his, you know, bleach blonde hair in the back of his head and, this, and leaves this giant red puddle yeah. on, on, the, on the canvas that, like you kind of like get a little horrified by and this to me was like god way worse than like anything i saw in that in the main event to come yeah i like i'm done with chair shots to the head i think we've been so conditioned over the last 10 10 maybe 15 years even now Mm -hmm. to we know the dangers uh you watch that like foley rock match from years ago with the unprotected chair shot it's just it's not needed anymore it's dangerous um I wonder how much is like with Cody. It's like trying to recreate those matches his his dad used to have. Mm. The excessive blood, the excessive headshots, that kind of thing. I don't know if he intended on getting cut in the back of the head. I don't think he he intended to be cut, but he intended to eat a chair shot to the head unprotected. Yeah, I I I I wonder how much of it is due to you know them building a brand new feud here with Sean Spears that really kind of has no. No, nothing, nothing before it to kind of set well, up. I did like in uh, in that road to Fighter Fest the yeah. the thing with uh, Sean Spears's whole promo and his video, and then Cody's going, "Yeah, he's a good at hand. He's going to be a great like trainer he'll be, he'll be wrestler." A good trainer, yeah. Uh, I think that was great. Sure, and yeah. I think this is him going. That's how you see me. Fuck you. No, ah. I'm. Uh, so I I actually like the storytelling here. I think mm-hmm. that's great, but I just don't need to see. There are other things you can do now. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, so, what did you think of the match itself? I I enjoyed the end. I enjoyed the f- the finish. Um, I guess they're going with this thing with Darby Allen, where it's not necessarily he can beat people, but he can survive mm. these matches. Like he's you can't pin him because he'll just keep getting back up, keep getting back up. So that's cool. I just the the first ten fifteen minutes, even I thought, kind of killed the show a bit. A little bit, a little bit. But to me, like, Darby Allen still did enough to really impress. Like, I thought his, his gracefulness was really incredible. Um, 
Alrighty, uh, so it looks like uh, we'd have to think, you know, because Rhodes is obviously he's teaming with Dustin for the next uh, show with with the Bucks, so maybe Spears and Rhodes were all out. Yeah, I'd assume so. Up next, we got was this surprise a surprise to you that uh, the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on the Lucha Brothers, Penta L Zero M and Phoenix and Laredo Kid that that this wasn't the main event. Um, not particularly. I I, I thought it would be, but then I thought. Um, as soon as this was going on, I assumed Omega would come out at the end because you mm-hmm. want to build up that feud with him and Moxley. Um, and I think, I think a, a just a no DQ blood match thing is is a better thing to end your show on. I think it's so harder too. to top. Yes, I think so too. Um, actually, on Joey Janela's show, uh, one of the spring breaks this year, they ended the night on one of these hardcore matches. And it was not necessarily the match I was tuning into the show for. Yeah. I don't think it was like even a match with like the, the best star power, nor a match that I really saw promoted like beyond everything else. But once I saw the match and how violent and how bloodied and everything was, like I, I knew it was the right call. Because yeah. like these types of matches, you're reacting big to everything. Whereas, sure. whereas even a match like this, Elite versus like you know Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid match, you're reacting big to anything, but you, you can't compare. You can't it's, compete. I, I find watching like uh, the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers and thing, it's it's like watching fireworks. It's ooh ah right. Whereas whereas a street fight, you're like ah yeah. If that makes any it's sense, it's more guttural. I definitely like was more vocal. You're more emotionally tied to that main event than this. This six man is fantastic, mm-hmm. but I don't care who wins, who loses. Right. I just I'm seeing crazy, wonderful wrestling. So, as they come out, Nick, Matt, and Kenny are okay. First of all, the Bucks like start with like the being the elite theme, and then all of a sudden, remember everybody, this is a fighting video game tournament. The Street Fighter theme comes on, and out comes Nick and Matt dressed up as. Ken and Ryu, respectively, and then we have the the thing the the um the screen darkens. We get the uh the kanji for uh the the character Sky, uh, and out comes <laughs> Kenny Omega dressed as Akuma from the Street Fighter series. Red uh red hair um looked ridiculous, and every bit bit as jacked as Akuma. Does that mean does this any of this mean anything to you? I uh, I very loosely know Street Fighter. Um, I thought this was so awesome. I, I thought they looked great. What was the deal with the Batista fan? That I don't know. Cause... Because I wondered if it was just someone had jumped it. But then after the lights came back on, he was just on the floor. Well, the camera wouldn't focus on and the Bucks wouldn't just stand in there. For sure, play. yeah. I think it was probably a play on like something that the WWE did. Because if you remember, they had... Uh, they had a guy do that to Batista. The... No, they had a guy... Yes, exactly, right? Yeah, Batiste was warming up for a match, and this guy runs backstage. Does the machine and does gun it. thing? Yeah, but like nothing, nothing came. Like of I it. was wondering, oh, is is Kenny coming out as Drax or something like that? And like, right. but I, I don't know. Maybe there was yeah. a reason for it. There's uh, definitely a reason for it. Um, uh, if anything, maybe an attempt to make some type of you know viral video, perhaps, or yeah. maybe something. Knowing them, it's something they might you know follow up on in the future. Yeah. But nothing was kind of really concluded with it here. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they hit Justin Roberts to announce round one fight before the belt begins, which, again, was a super nerdy thing that was awesome. I loved straight away the commentary. Uh, like, no, no, this this is just a one fall, though. Yes, yes. Uh, so we get, you know, uh, 
incredible combinations with any of these six people. You pair any of them together, and it's gonna it's gonna look spectacular. But I think of, of most interest was probably for a lot of people, Laredo Kid. I'm I'm assuming many, including myself, were seeing him for the first time. Yeah. So he started off the match with Nick Jackson, and he starts to get the better of their exchange. Which results in Nick getting a little bit nastier, spitting at him as everybody spills in. And this is when we get a lot of triple team moves from both teams. Um, the Elite are sent out of the ring and the Lucha Brothers hit these stereotopic on heroes as Laredo Kid hits his own Asai Moonsault all in perfect unison. Uh, then they deliver like a double super kick reverse Rana onto Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson then hits these rolling Northern Light suplexes. And I'm talking like... He had like five of these things in a row yeah. to both Laredo Kid and to Phoenix. It ends with him hitting a double Northern Light suplex, suplex to both Phoenix and Penta. Um, Laredo Kid goes for a high cross. Kenny inter- intercepts it. Uh, his rise of the ter- Terminator dive is interrupted as Pentagon and Kenny stand off in a bit of a callback, I thought, to, to their all-in match. Kind of like, you know, playing... Like, AEW did this like in the battle royal last time as well mm. where they had like what is it Janela and Paige like stand off as if like it was like some type of long term rivalry sure. yeah I think people recognize it but it's not like you know it's not like seeing like The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels no, stand face sure. to face yeah um okay we basically uh Kenny tags in he delivers snapdragons to all three luchadors Pentagon then interrupts one of his dives he launches Nick to the floor with a back body drop and then he launches his own brother, Phoenix, also with a back body drop, over the ropes, and onto Nick. So Was this one over the turnbuckle? Over the turnbuckle. That was crazy. Yes. Very impressive. So now with all six men now in the ring, uh, the Luchadors deliver triple super kicks, while the Elite respond with a triple Hadouken, followed by a triple Liger Bomb. Laredo Kid and Phoenix are draped on the second rope as Nick Jackson flies down with a 450 splash. We get a V-trigger to Laredo Kid as he's about to deliver a dive. Um... On the floor, Matt is setting up the Meltzer driver. Nick Jackson is balancing on the top rope. But Phoenix runs up onto the top rope to meet him, and he executes a diving Spanish fly onto the floor, onto the pile below. Incredibly impe- impressive, taking everybody out. Uh, so back in the ring, Kenny is left alone with Laredo Kid. He hits the Tiger Driver 98 to him, gets a two count. Then he hits the V-Trigger, followed by the One-Winged Angel for the win. Fantastic match. Great match. Uh, really entertaining um, one of the things I, I meant to mention earlier, and I think uh, you and John talked about it a bit at Double uh, Double or Nothing, um, is you can tell how uh, how well-oiled a machine uh, WWE is with cameras and stuff. There was a lot on this show that was missed. And you can forgive people missing stuff in this match because all these guys are so quick all over the place. Um but there were just a couple of spots that were slightly missed. Uh, I believe, I think it was a Phoenix moonsault to the outside that the camera catches it right at the end. Um, yeah, there, there was just a lot of this throughout the show. And I guess it's just maybe people not so used to shooting wrestling. Could be. Or not being as rehearsed or I don't know. Yeah, I'm not completely sure either. I don't know if it was... Production-wise, I'm not entirely sure maybe if, if there were elements of, like, you know, CEO providing certain people versus... Because they, they, like, film a lot of stuff, like, on sure. their own for video game term- tournaments versus maybe AEW's production. But because of the AEW branding on it, I would assume a great deal of, of, of what you saw was produced by yeah. AEW. 
uh, if not the whole thing. I just I noticed it in the in the main as well. I think Moxley was doing it in character, but there's a bit he's like, "You need to move back to right. the cameraman," and obviously he's someone who's worked in front of cameras all the time with WWE, so mm-hmm. he knows exactly where everyone should be and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I also thought it was an amazing match. To me, it was like two teams that were mirror versions of each other yeah. facing each other and um you know like anytime i've seen kenny team with the bucks they've always offered a great deal of excitement and creativity yeah. in so much of uh, so many of their matches so i thought this match was very much the same but you saw it from both ends yeah from both teams i would say execution was certainly not completely fault flawless um you know like i wondered if there was something off with the ropes like because a lot of people it was that under- top rope um like towards the entrance ramp yeah um yuka slipped on it a bit uh was it nick had slipped on it yeah but nothing really interrupted the match no or or ruined the match at all i thought laredo kid for his debut looked impressive yeah yeah uh he took the pinfall and i guess that's understandable because you'd rather pin him than you know either penta or phoenix completely yeah um but everybody looked great everybody looked very good here in this match finally our main event davy the unsanctioned match between Joey Janela and John Moxley. So what an unsanctioned match is is something that um, the commission, the AEW commission, will not uh, uh, grant uh, uh, responsibility for. Um, in fact, they say that uh, the only thing the referee is here to do is to count the pinfall. Mm. They're willing to provide cameras for it. They're willing to provide commentary for it. They're willing to give it the main event spot. This was a little problem I had with it because earlier on in the night... Um, uh, I think it was JR was like, we've got one official match left of the night and then we'll be sticking around to see this unsanctioned match. Yeah. And I just thought, I was like, oh, that that makes sense it closing the show because it's the show has actually officially finished. It's just, let's keep the cameras rolling and keep this going. I think they could have like turned the lights off on the crowd, put house lights up, like make it look different Mm, have uh not have a ref in a referee shirt like an aew referee shirt just have someone all in black or Mm. whatever to count the fall right um i thought um yeah aesthetically you could have done a few things to just make it feel unsanctioned and be like oh it's just a no holds barred match i think ultimately it's just code word for hardcore matches and for sure maybe like a more kind of like serious version of a hardcore match and in the end like wrestling fans know what's up like completely you know this was Joey Janela versus John Moxley in a match that they've really kind of promoted as like John Moxley's like return to his like hardcore CZW self. So against an opponent like Joey Janela, that's certainly the type of match you were expecting. Yeah, and that was the type of match we got because uh, early on, Joey Janela grabs this prosthetic leg from a fan ringside uh, <laughs> and he hits Moxley with it. Janela then sits Moxley onto a chair inside the ring. And he dives off with the somersault senton as Moxley moves out of the way, setting Janela flat into the chair. Moxley then pulls out a barbed wire steel chair from underneath the ring, placing it onto Janela. He goes up into the corner to dive onto him, but Janela gets back up. Her Karana's Moxley onto the barbed wire chair from the top rope. This just it cuts up Moxley's back almost immediately. They start fighting on the apron. And Janela executes a side Russian leg sweep onto Moxley through a, through a table on the Best floor. Best move ever. The, the side <laughs> rush, absolutely, Davey, just for you. Back in the ring, Moxley spine busters Janela through a table that is propped in the corner. Um, they keep, you know, I found, 
they had Janela take a whole deal, a uh, great deal of punishment, but he would always kind of be shown giving the finger in defiance almost yeah. to, to Moxley. So Moxley pulls out this barbed wire board now from beneath the ring. He sends Janela uh, sends Moxley into it with the DVD that gets a two count. Janela then sets up a, t- a ladder in the ring, and I thought this was probably like one of the taller ladders. Like if this was in the WWE sure. ring, it would be the second, like the tallest. Yeah. So he grabs an extra tall ladder in the ring and delivers a diving elbow drop onto Moxley through two tables on the floor. Moxley then hits a Death Valley bomb onto Janela from the ring uh, through a barbed wire board propped up between the apron and the guardrail. So Moxley then pulls out a bag of thumbtacks, which we've all seen before. You know, nothing crazy. But then he goes over to Janela and proceeds to take his shoes off. Which I haven't personally ever seen before, but it just added I like haven't. a next level to like this whole thing. And so simple too. So he teases dropping Janela onto these tacks, but Janela escapes. Janela um Moxley Janela fights back a bit, but Moxley ultimately delivers an X Plex onto Janela through these tacks. He stomps on Janela's hand into the tacks. Mm. And then he drops Janela feet first into the attacks. Like these are like three three spots basically with the thumbtacks. And Janela still responds by giving the bird to John Moxley. Finally, Moxley for the finish goes back to the bag, drops more attacks into the ring, and hits his DDT, which they're calling the Paradigm Shift instead of the Death Rider that New Japan seems to be calling. Okay. Uh, unless they, New Japan is calling like the elevated version. I, the Death I Rider. don't think he. Um, I don't think he called himself Death Rider either, because Death Rider is his character as well in, in New, New Japan, Japan, and he's yeah. wearing different gear and everything. So I guess it's. A, a I think it might be character. something he's not using at all. Interesting. Uh, so anyway, the paradigm shift, the double arm DDT for Moxley into the thumbtacks, gets the win, and the match ends with close-ups of Janela and Moxley's. Feet and lower back, which are just riddled with thumbtacks. How can you... At least a, your back, you can bandage up, put a shirt on, try to avoid touching it. Mm-hmm. Like, the feet. Y- you can't just not walk around. Yeah. He's probably going to be driving and putting that foot down on the pedal to mm-hmm. go to the next place or whatever. Yeah. Ah. This was an escalation for sure. Like, I mean, I think, you know, seeing anybody go through thumb- thumbtacks is already crazy enough. But what's the next level? It's like, it's seeing thumbtack into your most sensitive areas like the areas where you Completely. feel it the most and we know as an everyone's trodden on something by accident oh, yeah. and out like you know how it feels yeah but as as we said earlier this is stuff it'll be healed in a couple of days well that's you'll be thing. fine like you're not yeah. gonna have any lasting damage it's just surface wound i'm, I'm gonna ama- get such a bigger reaction than a coffin drop onto the apron i'm kind of amazed that like i feel that way you know yeah like i mean ultimately i i I want my, you know, the performance that I'm watching to be safe and healthy with a, with a kind of, you know, with with a certain level of risk involved. And I'm so surprised that I almost consider like this to be an acceptable level of like risk. Yeah, I think we know that we're so much more educated now about the dangers, about the injuries, and I'd watch take that Naito uh, Ibushi match that happened. Yeah, recently. I think you watch that 20 years ago, be like, that was nuts. And then move on and think nothing about it. Whereas now you're thinking, like with the chair shot to the head as well, go, no, that's so unnecessary. That's going to do so much 
long-term damage for you mm -hmm. maybe shorten your career if not and could be a lot worse yeah like just a few cuts and scrapes here and there that feel nasty look nasty get a great reaction but they'll be fine in mm -hmm. a couple of days I absolutely thought ending the show with this match was the right call for me the too. reasons that we stated. I, I, you know, nothing was going to top this match, nope. even a Kenny and a Bucks match. To me, this was an excellent re-debut for John Moxley in front of a, a the a, a different audience in North America. His New Japan match was those both those matches were, were I mean, m mainly the Juice match. The the uh, sure. the other match wasn't that much, but the Juice match was was a great kind of already like sampling of the style that he would wrestle. But this was you know kind of the true like return to form of the czw yeah. like crazy john moxley uh in a style of match where he like very much kind of went like like um you know move for move for somebody who's really kind of made a name for himself in this realm a deathmatch wrestler like joey janela um so ambrose completely reinvented himself but i thought Janela, this was also his biggest match of his career. Main eventing an yeah. AEW show. And I thought he, he did fantastic. He was great too. as well. Like he very much, I think, you know, is is trying to build a reputation as the guy like a McFoley, taking all the damage, yeah. but still coming back. Um, be somebody who's willing to sacrifice his body for the entertainment of his audience. And obviously I think there's some we have to be careful about how much we de demand of like wrestlers uh, as well, uh, for something like that, but here, like I thought, he he earned a great deal of respect from this. Completely. Crowd. What I what I'm really enjoying so far at the these first two shows with AEW is yeah. the variety there. Absolutely. Because um, think you've got uh, you've got a whole like hardcore division there. You've got Darby Allen and uh, Jimmy Havoc as well. Mm -hmm. Who, like, I mean, Havoc's had some fucking insane matches. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got all that. You've got polar opposite to the women and the the joshis it's that was so entertaining and so different and fresh mm -hmm. for for me yeah. uh, who hasn't seeked out any of that stuff and to see that on uh to end up seeing that on weekly tv is gonna be great um and then obviously your like your tag division i, I think it's got a lot of variety and it's gonna keep growing so much of the demand for AEW like is is because there's a whole world of wrestling out there that's not being presented by the WWE. Yeah. Like, in the time that I think WWE has continued to dominate, like, wrestling has really just blossomed almost everywhere. And people are almost kind of finding their own niches of the style of wrestling that they like, whether it be comedy or tag team wrestling or, you know, uh, hardcore wrestling or death matches. And AEW is almost like you know, just kind of taking advantage of it by providing and mixing all those, yeah. like, the best styles from all across the world into one particular show and i'm completely, completely with you yeah uh after the match here kenny omega immediately runs in and he delivers a v trigger to moxley he sends moxley through a table with the pile driver and then takes him into the set smashing him into the drum set that's propped up on the ring uh attacking him with i thought what was probably the wrong time to attack him with drumsticks to me like doing, yeah that doing, was lame doing a bit of comedy he also hits him with a fender stratocaster moxley is carried to the back but he shoves the referees away. Kenny then meets him back at the entrance and attacks with the trash can. Omega then hits the paradigm shift onto Moxley onto the trash can as the camera closes up on Moxley, who flashes a smile as the show goes off the air. Uh, I I felt Kenny really needed to come out. I mm -hmm. think that's one of the one of the things that's been a bit odd. I feel with having these two shows between Double or Nothing and All Out is. How are you going to keep these feuds going? Why are you, why are you in a match with Janela when 
you targeted Omega just a month ago. Why is Omega in a, a tag match when he got attacked at the end of his match last time? Why isn't he going against him? Right. Um, so yeah, I liked this. I liked the beatdown. Thought it went down a bit too long. Mm. Um, I think that in general with most post-match beatdowns mm. and that's something I did like about the Sean Spears thing. At least it was in, wallop, and out. It was a big wallop. But yeah, it was it too to big a wallop. But yeah. um, I felt, yeah, then when it went back to get the trash can and stuff, it's like, we get it. You've, you've beaten him up now. It's clearly something they needed to do to set up the match. For sure. I do feel like, you know, Kenny coming out after the death match that we saw, like, and doing, like, trash can stuff might might have been a little tame in comparison. But maybe it's not... So- like, how did you top the death match, yeah. though? Did Kenny have to, like, bring out a gun or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Thoughts on the show overall? I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um... There's, yeah, I, the the pre-show, it had it, its lows. Um, I enjoyed the pre-show more than the last one. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I'm, I'm positive about it. I'm looking forward to where it goes next. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be continuing to tune in. I really like the match, or, or sorry, the, the show overall. Yeah. Uh, for, for many of the reasons that we had already talked about, the variety that was involved. Um, I thought it was a really impressive job of how, I would say almost for every match, they managed to find somebody to elevate and they did a good job of for it. sure whether it be somebody again somebody like darby allen or nyla rose or private party like everybody coming out of this show went from kind of being unknowns to being like people that i think are, are going to be talked about and that i'm personally looking forward to seeing the yeah. next time we go to our first caller here who's been waiting on the line uh hey caller you're on with davy and way hey davy and way it's uh paul from new jersey how's it going hi paul hey how you doing uh, good, thanks. Yeah, I enjoyed the show, and um, I mean, I'm such a sucker for Street Fighter, so that cosplay was awesome for me. <laughs> um, and um, it, it's so weird how like refreshing it is to hear the words like professional wrestlers and wrestling and wrestlers. Like, it's so funny that as much wrestling as I watch, like to hear that again is like, oh, that's refreshing because that's what this is. Um, and just like, yeah, unfortunately, lastly, like, I did think Jim Ross kind of sounded like somebody's grandpa. Like, I I found him a little jarring, and that's hard to say because, you know, he's such a legend and I'm such a fan is. But, yeah, I found him a little weak on this show. What was your match of the night? Uh, my match of the night would have to be the six-man. Um, the Bucks and Omega versus Penta, Phoenix, and uh, the Laredo kid. I thought that was really enjoyable. Did you have any, like, you know, things that you didn't like about the show? Um, It's funny. Like, I am a big Leva Bates fan, but, yeah, that librarian character, for some reason, isn't working for me. And, like, some of the camera angles. But other than that, like, I thought this was a really enjoyable show. Like you guys said, like, I felt like there was a lot of variety because uh, my friend was asking me, like, what I liked more, the six-man or the moxie match. And, like, Although I like the six man more, it was kind of like my first thing was like, ah, oh, they're so they're so different. There was a lot of variety, like yeah, like there's so much different cool stuff on this show. So I, I really enjoyed it. All right, awesome. Thank you very much for the call, Paul. Thank you guys. See ya. And you guys can call in too. Phone lines are now officially open. One seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three. Long distance charges may apply outside of the U.S. Or you can simply search for Post Wrestling on Skype to connect to us for free. Do you want to get to the feedback board? I, I can't find it on here. Oh, it's the first one. Oh, it's th- oh wait a second. Yeah. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, it's weird. 
Uh oh, it's on the cafe section. There we go. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. So you do you do you have access to it? I Are do, you a patron? Yeah, I am. <laughs> up next, uh, we let's go to a phone line while while Davey sets that up. We go to Bruce Lord. Bruce Lord, you're on the phone. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Bruce, what do you think of the show? Um, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I thought it kind of maintained the momentum. Not to crib a word from you know a, another company uh, that Double of Nothing produced or Double or Nothing produced there. Um, I thought, like like you said, a, a number of people were sort of elevated coming out of it, and there are interesting questions and stories and feuds uh, to come out of it. But I guess the the question that this sort of left me with was how this company is going to be able or not able to translate stories over from uh, a very different platform like YouTube, like being the elite over into weekly television. Um, I was watching this show with a friend and my brother, who is the epitome of a a lapsed casual fan from the late nineties, who was, you know, entirely, utterly confused by everything that was happening on the pre-show, any mm. of the things that had been built up uh, on, on YouTube or whatever. Um, and I, I didn't even know where to begin to try to get him up to speed with those things. So I guess the question is sort of how easy will it be uh, will it be for people to sort of jump onto and keep pace with this sort of a product, a very modern uh, product, that is being communicated through television rather than through the internet channels uh, that they've been using up until this point. Well, let me ask you, Bruce, like, despite, I would say, like, you know, some of the, the confusing elements of the show, did your friends end up sticking around and, and enjoying perhaps the rest? Um, they enjoyed what I would say would be the more sort of straightforward matches. Um, you know, things like the like the tag match between, uh, you know, uh, best friends and and and, uh, and and private party and, and things like that. Uh, those things sort of held their interest. Um, but but everything else that required a bit more explanation like all of the i mean hell it took me a minute to even figure out that the street fighter thing was oh that's a reference to the fact that dan comes out and gets beat up by akuma or whatever i was having to dig deep to figure out those things by point of comparison um i've been watching the southern showdown show uh just before this show started and i was able to get my brother right up to speed with what was happening in the osprey eagles match and he was like okay cool yes i understand that i understand what the stakes are you've explained that to me in 15 seconds cool and i can try Osprey Eagles and El Fantasma and, and know what's going on here. A lot of the other stuff took a lot more sort of, you know, backstory and, and, and framing uh, to, to sort of get them up to speed. And so I, I kind of found that to be a bit of an imposition. Mm. It's it's an interesting question. And clearly, I would say, you know, judging by reactions like yours and, and even, you know, uh, what I've been seeing online, it's it's something that AEW has to really kind of find a balance with as yeah. they get to, to TV. Obviously, you know, having a TV show to explain a lot of it on a larger stage will help a lot of that. I mean, I would say something that would be disappointing is if they completely dropped like their comedy, because I think ultimately it's like it's kind of what got them to the dance. Right. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it's a wrestling as well, but so much of, of the style of comedy of that YouTube show. How do you kind of balance, you know, a very kind of I don't even know if I would call it niche because it appeals clearly to so many people. But maybe it could simply be the lack of reach because right now it's only on YouTube and, and people like Davey mm-hmm. don't necessarily like, you know, about the elite, you know, so about some of these storylines, but you're not watching every episode of being the elite. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your other thoughts on the show, Bruce? Um, 
on the whole, pretty darn good. I thought that, uh, like yourselves, I was initially kind of surprised by the fact that the uh, Moxley-Janela match was uh, closing rather than the six-man. But ultimately, given where that match uh, was going, I, I thought that ended up being the, the wiser move. And I like the fact that you had this really simple story of Kenny kind of giving tit for tat uh, after Moxley had run out at the end of the previous pay-per-view. I thought that, you know, that's a nice little kind of one-for-one uh, sort of run-in at the end of a show that sets up the ultimate confrontation between the two of them. You know, this this stuff doesn't have to be rocket science and a nice little finish to that, uh, I, I think, was, was a nice little bow on, on an otherwise pretty solid show. We thank you very much for your thoughts, Bruce. Thanks, guys. Uh, do you want to go to our first? Uh, first of all, let's go to the uh, the forum uh, uh, poll uh, to see what people voted this show. Sure. Uh, all right. Forum.postwrestling.com. The average rating out of 10 for this particular show on our message board, 7.43 out of 10, which is good. But I don't think it not as good as double or nothing, but, you know, a, a very good, very good rating for our, our very, I would say, kind of critical board. But uh, caller, you're on the line. What's up? Yo, what's going on, Wade and Davey? It's Hansy. Hey, Hansy. Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, I just want to say that I thought the uh, I thought the show was really, really uh, good. I I didn't really care for the the pre-show. I mean, I I know you guys are probably in the same boat a little bit with some of the stuff. I think the librarian stuff is kind of dying a death a little bit. Um, but I thought the entire show was basically solid. I mean, not like everything blew me away, but I say the last three matches essentially kind of. Uh, Really, uh, I mean, I, I thought they were really, really solid. But uh, wait, uh, I wanted to ask you before I just get off quickly. Way, um, there was like a kind of a controversy with Jim Ross, right? He used the word Oriental to describe a wrestler. I noticed and, that. Uh, me, yeah. No, and 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 my question is, and, and W. H. Park was a cool dude because as someone who's kind of bought into like the old mentality of going, oh, why is that offensive? Whatever, right? I just want to know your take. Do you, like, are you offended by that term? And do you think you can explain to some people who might not think that's offensive why it's offensive or something like that? I just want to get your take. And I'm not trying to start like a controversial, like, let's fire Jim Ross, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's an old Southern guy, whatever, and all that. And uh, I just want to know, like, because I, I, I like learning about it. Instead of getting outraged by people being offended, I just want to know what you thought about that. I'm probably somebody who's personally not offended at all uh honestly so much of it depends on the context with what you're saying it um and in the context that jim ross uttered it it was completely like un- inoffensive like he he just meant it as uh, another way of saying east asian um so I, I i take it to be just you know somebody who might not have gotten the memo that hey like people probably shouldn't be saying a word like this anymore um but i i i really didn't even think it was significant enough to mention in the recap i caught wind of it but you know, we didn't. Did you? Do you even know this? Like, if this was like, you know, an offensive or taboo term? I feel it's different in the UK anyway. Right. Like, um, like we tend to say sort of uh, like Asians, we tend to think South of Asians. like Indian and yes. uh, Pakistani and that kind of thing. That's what uh, what we say over there. So yeah. I, I'm not up to date with what the terms are. I mean, as far as. Like- um, but yeah, I don't think like. He didn't say it in an offensive way. But you do have to be careful as well and I, be aware. I imagine Jim Ross is probably going to get a memo. Hey, next time you call uh, uh, <laughs> uh, an OWE match, uh, JR, you probably shouldn't. The thing is, like, Oriental Wrestling It's in the name of the their, name. their group. Yeah, that, yeah. So what is he supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. No. No. That, that, that was my. That was kind of my point. Like the, the promotion is called Oriental, and 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 the thing is, like the, the only thing I'm asking, I'm just get, gauging other people's reactions right. towards it. I, cause I I I like I like learning about why these are offensive and why not. I I just don't. I I don't see I don't see the outrage by being outraged by someone else's outrage. Right. I, I, so I'd rather just. Go ahead. No, I completely agree with Hanzi. Um, you know, I, I why it's offensive, I think, is 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 probably a similar story to why a lot of terms end up being offensive. It's it's it was probably used in a very derogatory context for many years in the past. And um, you know, if 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 people are upset by it, I completely understand. And I completely respect that. For that reason, I think Jim Ross probably should learn to not mention it. Um, just as how I think, you know, I wouldn't use the term to describe like you know my own race on a podcast like this if jim ross is going to broadcast to a larger audience representing a, a bigger company who prides itself on i guess kind of you know diversity and i think being uh, progressive uh he's probably going to get the memo but i did i think he was racist obviously not um like i just watched the man tall call takama shinoku versus like great sasuke and, and uh, give a great deal of reference he said it like he said the the sentence almost as like what did he say? He said like the Orientals are like really good at high kicks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then doesn't Excalibur go? No, no. He, yeah, he said um, these like, Oriental yeah, wrestlers they are like very, kicking people in the head. Like, yes, exactly. And then Excalibur goes, I think every wrestler likes kicking people in the head. I can tell like you probably like Excalibur. Probably he tried had to it. jump on it very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I I do think Kanzi like like you said it was it's a bit of a probably a case of a man just you know from a different era not necessarily being up with the times. That's all. Okay, no, that's cool. Yo, listen, listen, I, well, I, I didn't want to make it a big thing. I just wanted to get your op- opinion on it. I, I like I, I like gauging this kind of stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. But listen, you guys have done a good job, and uh, um, uh, I, I look forward to more of your podcast and all that. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. See ya. Uh, let's go to our first piece of feedback. Do you want to start? Sure. We have Alex from Maple. That was amazing. It started horribly, but was saved by the last few matches. We finally got to see what Brock versus Ambrose would have been like. Damn your lazy attitude, Brock, for denying us this, and I am so happy for Moxley in getting to finally deliver this. I don't know if Brock would have taken uh, thumbtacks on his bare feet. <laughs> I can't. I, imagine. Moxley would have though. Moxley I think that's would the have. thing. Moxley like, would have. Yeah. Uh, the Omega and Bucks match was great, and entrance was one of the best ever. Overall, great. Even commentary was better with no Alex Marvez and a great heel act by MJF. Thumbs up, huge. Back to the phone lines. Our next caller, you're on. What's up? Oh, good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Is we, this... We're good. Who is this? Oh, no. Is this the famed Brandon from New Jersey with, <laughs> with Davey Portman for the very first time? Oh, lordy. Did you meet him in New York? <laughs> no. He was he was too under the radar. He was very shy, I have to say. I, it, it was funny. I, I, was like, I was like two, two feet away from you, and, I, and you were talking to somebody, and I just, I just walked down. <laughs> What did you think of the show, Brandon? Uh, I, I I thought it was I thought it was very I thought it was fun. It was cool. Uh, you know, I liked the, the death matches pretty awesome, even though it was kind of tame for death matches, right? Okay, yes, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, you didn't necessarily no, see glass or like maybe like scissors. Yeah, there was no like tubing or nothing like. That. Well, they got they got to build was, up to something for all out. Yeah. I feel bad for Jelly though. How much is he going to be uh, intact for uh, for all out or whatever? I mean, because he that's going to be his gimmick fighting all these hardcore matches. I mean, I think he has a match. I think he has a match coming up in uh, 
not too not too long from now to, to about death match. There's no doubt they, like this is kind of like his where he shines the most. Um, but I think I don't know if we have to expect that he'll have this style of match every time. Like it's kind of like the the Mick Foley thing where like you earn a reputation for taking these spots, but then you can kind of like for the later part of your, the, your career, once you're already over, you can kind of coast on like whether it be your personality or or just simply being being over. For sure. I, I also thought this one was very different to his match with Adam Page, which yeah. oh, which I, I also brutal. really enjoyed as well. But mm-hmm. for two hardcore matches, they did a completely different style. And you can be right. very inventive and just be selective with the spots you do in the match. And this was obviously the barbed wire thumbtack this match. This was that version. And- but, I mean, they're not even on TV yet. And, <laughs> and this is their, I guess technically this is their second event before, you know, you got... The, the charity event. He's, I mean, he's not going to be on that, right? And then you got All Out, and then you got TV or whatever after that. And you notice matches where he's going to up the stakes because he's trying to get over even more, right? Or am I wrong? I mean, it remains to be seen if if stakes will be raised or even lowered if yeah. they're going to be on uh, uh, cable TV on TNT. You know, who knows like what what TNT thinks of a death match like this. Like, you know, but I do hope that they re- retain the standard for a pay-per-view where anything goes, you know, yeah, completely TV, you can't see this, but if you have to pay to see a guy step and that's on good. That's how it should be. I, I think. think so, too. All right. Thank you for the uh, call. Uh, one, oh. one more thing. One more thing. One more thing real quick. Moxley's it. gear. It, it's got to be. It's got to go back to New Japan. Come on. The, the jeans and <laughs> he looks too WWE. I don't like the, the biker chain. His, his New Japan gear, he looks like a monster. I think this works for a for a death match though. You you often see that with wrestlers like ditching their actual ring attire for these kind of matches to just wear jeans or whatever. I'm well, hoping it's that shoes. way. Wear wrestling boots, sure. What did WH no, think? I mean, I'm out of here. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, always an awkward end with that guy. Alrighty, this caller has been trying to get on for a while. Jake, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, hey, guys. Good to talk to you again. And, Davey, you finally made it to the post-show, so uh, <laughs> great to talk to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, th- this is weird. I've got headphones. I've got voices in my head. This is crazy. Hey, can you uh, just turn your uh, uh, radio or whatever down, Jake, your your laptop or whatever you're listening oh, to us on? Sorry, I had a headset with a microphone, so let me just adjust this. Okay, not a problem. Well, uh, on, that note, on that note, Davey holds post-shows of his own plenty of times and often on live uh, YouTube <laughs> right now because the up next – Oh, I. Yeah, don't worry. I've subscribed to the BD official YouTube nice. page, so uh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> can't wait go. for the for the next takeover in, in Toronto. So, uh, so uh, let me just say, I yes, I really enjoyed uh, well the main show. Uh, the pre-show was kind of hit and miss for me. Uh, didn't particularly like the, and I thought the librarian stuff. I uh, it I could feel that it, I, it wasn't just me didn't like uh, not liking it. I could feel that the crowd wasn't uh, it, it, the crowd didn't. Um, get into it as much it wasn't over on the crowd uh, as well uh the nakazawa stuff uh, it's like you either like it or you hate it uh, i didn't mind as well and uh but for the main show it really uh, it really improved for me uh my match of the night uh was definitely a uh, moxley and uh, janella and um regarding the cody and regarding cody uh, and darby allen uh look uh, the issue that i had uh it, it wasn't the the chair shot it wasn't the chair shot spot uh i uh it was like yeah it was it was gross it was grotesque uh uh but uh grotesque it uh it was minuscule to um i was pretty confused on mjf 
uh, in the aftermath, uh, consoling Cody. Like, look, I understand that I, I do know in, in being the elite that uh, he was pretty much under Cody's wing. Uh, MJ was pretty much under Cody's wing. But, you know, not every not everybody knows that. And to me, as a heel, uh, he's becoming a, such a full fledged heel. I'm becoming such a fan of him. He's amazing. And I believe that he should stick with that momentum and just uh, to me, maybe I'm just old school in terms of being, you know, uh, progressive heels like he should keep that consistency what do you guys think about that i personally think the opposite i i think it added more uh to the seriousness of seriousness of it because i'm watching it going hey i've watched this guy be a super heel like half an hour ago and now he's out there checking on his mate because this could be really serious and i think we live in a world we know this stuff is um scripted and like there are stories and things but as wrestling fans, we we like knowing what's going on backstage. We we want to be uh, still fooled. Is this thing real? Is this work? Um, and I think having him come out made me think, oh, this is maybe more serious than we thought. And like the boys are actually coming out to check on him because this is bad. My interpretation of it was that like he was simply doing it in order to keep up the con of like you know thinking making cody think that he's his best friend and that he actually cares about him that was my interpretation you know to your point jake um clearly uh you know it, it goes back to what we we've been kind of talking about earlier uh in that how much disconnect is there for people who don't watch being the elite versus people who's who have only watched the show and i think they they definitely have to find a balance between you know making sure that the audience that you're introducing uh, mm-hmm. AEW to with a show like this understands your whole show but while at the same time Paying respect to the people that have been following you since day one. You can't simply drop, you know, the MJF mm. character overnight. Uh, does that mean that he needed to be out there? I'm not exactly sure, but part of me thinks that they, you know, they want to use... They, they're looking at, at the angle and thinking, oh, like, MJF should be there. Like, he's supposed to be Cody's best friend. Like, he, you know, or, or so Cody thinks. Um I'd like to know if they would follow up on that on being the elite. It seems like it's, you know, if you have a question, it almost seems like it's something that's kind of perfect for, for them yeah. to follow up on. Uh, yeah. And finally, just, yeah. Okay. That's a great thing. That's a good point. So, uh, and finally, just to say, um, uh, the commentary was fine tonight. Uh, Excalibur did a great job as always. And, and look, Jim Ross, uh, he has his up and lows as well, but look, it, look, um, I, I have to give him a. Um, I have to cut him some slack. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, look, he's 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 probably not going to be the best that he is like twenty years ago. But you know, considering, but also have to consider and understand, you know, some of the health issues he's had over the years, and also his uh, also becoming a widower with his wife passing away a couple years ago. So I, I really don't mind uh, uh, Jr. here. Uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, nobody's kind of obviously, uh, you know, saying anything uh, negative uh, f- uh, for those reasons. And and you know what? If in the end, like keeping him busy with AEW uh, is exactly what, what that is. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good thing. I suppose though, at what what what's the limit though? You know, like do you give Jim, sure. Jim Ross a role uh, permanently on the on the announced desk just to keep the guy that- busy? Uh, I'll say this that I don't agree with I think he should be kept special and shouldn't call all the matches every single week once they eventually go to TNT and also he has he does have a, a senior advisor role uh, backstage as well so maybe he can help out with some of the backstage stuff as well so so I kind of agree with that just keep him with the big matches uh, and all that so so yeah that's all I have to say guys uh, thank you so much uh, and let me just say uh, one one 
uh, one more question. Uh, I just want to confirm this just to make sure. Uh, it, it was great meeting you, meeting all four of you, uh, Braden, um, you, uh, you guys, and also uh, Braden and and um, and John at in Chicago. I just want to ask uh, if you guys are coming back to All Out on August thirty first in Chicago. We will not be. Yeah, okay. I won't be. I I'm contemplating Survivor Series weekend, um, more so for War Games, um, but I won't be at All Out. Yeah, with, okay. Sum- with SummerSlam being so close in Toronto, like uh, I think we're going to be busy enough with that, so we're going to stay put, and then uh, you know may- maybe planning a-, a bigger trip later on in the year. Okay, just making sure of that because it was it was such an honor meeting you guys over there, and then uh, yeah, just proud to be a patron. Thank you guys so much for all the content you do every week. Thank you for the support, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Okay, we go up next to uh, Brad from Halifax, who says, Mox is so over. It is amazing to think that this guy used to be Dean Ambrose and that this was inside him all along. He adds a cool, edgy vibe to AEW that that makes this a whole different kind of promotion. That said, I don't need any more chair shots like the one Cody took in wrestling. I hope he's all right. Eight out of ten, one point off for the chair shot and the other for very average women's wrestling. Uh, We have Sam from Tennessee, a completely subpar show which left a lot to be desired. That pre-show was the worst hour of wrestling I've seen this year. A decent tag match followed by a bad Dark Order segment and some terrible backstage skits. Top that off with two awful matches leading into the pay-per-view and you have a horrible introduction for new fans trying to buy the product for the first time. The main show was alright, but almost all the matches were passable at best. I will say I enjoyed the six-man tag, but everything else was meh. Fuck unprotected chair shots to the head in 2019. I give it a 3 out of 10. Would have been a 5 if they didn't shit the bed on the pre-show. Damn. We go to our next uh, caller. Brandon, you're on the phone. What's up? Not much. Uh, how y'all doing tonight? Good. Doing very how are well. you? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, I really enjoyed the show overall. Um, I don't think it necessarily, necessarily was as good as Double or Nothing. But I did think it was a good like follow-up show, and I think it worked very well as a free show to kind of help introduce right. fans that maybe didn't want to pay the $40 or however much it may have been for the first show. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-show, I enjoyed the Triple Threat Tag Team match. I feel like they are – the way they keep on introducing the Dark Order, though, like the former Super Smash Bros., I feel like there's a chance they may be kind of setting them up for failure with how they're – kind of doing it yeah it's because a li- it's a little too maybe like undertaker light you know like almost over the top undertaker wyatt's that kind of thing yeah. which we've which hasn't ever really worked especially undertaker, in this context it? in yeah. AEW, where i feel like the the bar is set a little bit higher for creativity anyway please go on yeah i agree with you guys and um i just feel with that tag team they're not a big enough name like in the last number of years like in the u.s at least to mm-hmm. really be able to make like this massive impact like they're not going to show up on the screen and people aren't gonna go crazy for them like you would think uh but they need to get um i think once they start getting in ring i think they'll start getting the crowd more involved in their matches and stuff like that because they do have a really good in-ring style and the very high impact. So I'm hopefully I'm hoping that once they get in the ring, they'll start getting more of a reaction. That'll be a difference maker for sure. Thank you for the call, Brandon. Thank you. 
All right, we go to Andrew from Cape Breton up next, who says, I paid for the show through Fight TV, but I definitely think free was way too expensive for the pre-show. I'll get that out of the way first. The tag match was good, but AEW seems like it has two parts to it. A serious sports-like feel of a wrestling promotion for one part, and the other is mid-90s WWF and WCW bullshit gimmicks. The librarian nonsense was awful. And my current worst match of the year was Alex Jabali and Michael Nakazawa. I haven't seen that much of Nakazawa, but he's not that good, and it definitely seems like this is Kenny Omega trying to get his friends booked. I hated the Firefest parody stuff because even though it was a parody, it made the show look bad. All that being said, I thought the show was excellent. The matches were consistent, they established time limits, and they stayed on a very on a heavy angle for a while. I used to go to BitTorrent websites and download OVW shows back in 2006 and 7, and that's where I first saw Sean Spears. I thought he was an excellent performer, and it seems AEW may be able to showcase him in a way WWE never seemed to be able to. The chair shot to the head was a bit much, though. I hope Cody's okay, but... That also hurts the whole angle, so this whole thing... Uh, oh, AEW said Cody was okay, but that also hurts the whole angle, so this whole thing is a bit of a mess. 6 out of 10 show, I can't go above 6 to do the pre-show. You know, it's very clear to me that, like, there are there's a certain section of AEW fans who strictly want the sports-like presentation, and yeah. I don't know how much they really care for the others. Um, I think you would even see some dissenting opinion on whether or not Deathmatch Wrestling belongs within AEW. Um, and that's totally fair, but it's clear, you know, the, the four people on the, at the, at the head of AEW are four very different personalities, at least, you know, in ring, um, Cody very much kind of the, the type that I think this Andrew is, is looking for, um, somebody who presents a very sports like feel good storytelling, uh, the Bucks obviously very athletic, but I would say a lot more com- comedic in, in, I think their, their ideas, uh, Kenny even more comedic uh, coming from his DDT background. And I think I, I would say a lot more like I recommend everybody to check out the DDT episode of the wrestlers with Damien Abraham that we just talked about on Thursday. It, DDT is not necessarily, it, it is very much a comedy promotion, but it is also a promotion that promotes free thinking. And that's where I think Kenny's coming from uh, by putting something like Jabali on. I don't think it was just Kenny booking his friends. I think that, I mean, to an extent it absolutely is, but I also, feel like the Nakazawa Jabali match was there for this particular audience in this particular style uh, and not necessarily something that might be, you know, you would see on every AEW show, but I think there's a place for it. Sure. When, when done well, like, as I said, I thought there were moments in that match that were done pretty well. I It made me laugh yeah. more than once. So for me, it worked. But I know if people are going purely for great wrestling, that's not what they want. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Chris from Pennsylvania. Sure. Uh, I am admittedly one of the more casual wrestling fans on this board. My viewing habits include main roster, WWE, and the NXT takeovers. But with Fighter Fest available for free, I thought I would check it out and see what the buzz is all about. What I liked. The six-man tag with the Elite and Lucha Bros Larita Kid was outstanding. Fast action and really creative spots. I was engaged the whole time. MGF is an incredible talent. The charisma he had on the mic at only 23 is amazing. Some others that stood out to me were Private Party, Nyla Rose, and Jungle Boy. What I didn't like, Nyla Rose taking the pin when she's supposed to be the monster of the division and then getting her heat back with a post-match beatdown seems very WWE-ish. I was not really interested in the Kobe Darby Allen match at all. And as for the main event, I know I'll be in the minority here, but that's just not my preferred style of wrestling. Good for what it was, just not my cup of tea. Overall, 7 out of 10. Enjoyed the show, and I'll definitely check them out on TNT this fall. But I didn't leave Fighter Fest thinking this was a revolutionary product. 
I think when you provide variety, you're going to get a variety of opinions. And that's Completely, kind of, yeah. Kind of what we're seeing here. We got a Sean from Toronto who says definitely a lesser show than Double or Nothing, but still a solid card. I enjoyed the early backstage segments parodying the problems with the Fire Festival, even though that gimmick seemed forgotten by the time the main card started and was ultimately an excuse to have the elite wear Street Fighter gear. Uh, the weakest parts of the show were the unnecessary violence, such as the nasty chair shot to Cody and the unsanctioned main event, where the use of barbed wire and thumbtacks became too much for me, especially since they already parodied such a spot in the, with the earlier arcade buttons. I'm not against bloodshed if it fits the story, but overly hardcore wrestling should stay in the 90s. Hmm. Uh, AJ from PA really enjoyed the three-way tag, the women's match, and the final matches. I liked the chair shot. For some, maybe it's too much, but if you're going to do it, it has to mean something, and they made sure of that. It was a big deal, and it should be. This sets up a Spears-Cody match at All Out, and I'm really excited to see how this chair shot plays into the story. Whether diehard fans like us on this forum want to admit it or not, this type of stuff gets casual viewers and builds a fan base. It's the same people that watch NASCAR for the crashes or hockey for the fights. You don't have to do it every week on TV or use it in a nothing match, but using it like this to build up to one of your main matches at a major show is worth it. The fact that this show is free makes it 8 out of 10. Paying for it, probably more 7 out of 10. I really love, like, just how varied, like, so many of these thoughts are. Whereas, like, I feel like often with, like, a WWE pay-per-view, it's it's often kind of, like, the same feedback. Yeah, like, multiple completely. Times. Here, like, everybody kind of has their own perspective and their own taste. We go to Roger, who says, I think for future AEW events, I will skip the pre-shows, as both this one and the one for Double or Nothing were the drizzling shits. Stupid gimmicks like the Librarian and the Firefest parody bits are best left on being the Elite, and the Dark Order segment just fell flat. Despite all that, I did thoroughly enjoy the main card. I thought they did a fantastic job of getting Darby Allen over by having the match go to a time limit draw, something that has been missing from wrestling. MJF's promo had me rolling. And even my wife, who isn't a wrestling fan but was watching parts of the show with me, got a kick out of his insults. Overall, I give the show an 8 out of 10, and I can't wait for Fight for the Fallen, minus the pre-show. <laughs> and we have Bernie from Chicago. This was an average show. I thought there were some really great moments, including the women's three-way match, the Cody Darby Allen draw, MJF, and the six-man. The buy-in was worse than most three hours of Raw. In a normal situation, isn't AEW putting that on for free to try to entice people that that are on the fence of buying the pay-per-view, the last two buy-ins would not have had that effect on most people. The thing I really hated about the show was the unnecessary and unsafe violence. Cody taking an unprotected chair shot like that has no place in wrestling in 2019. I found Moxley and Janela to be more of the same. The things done in that match should be reversed for a blood feud, reserved for a blood feud, and in 2019 it's hard to even justify it then. If Cody was looking to kill the Attitude Era, he failed miserably because the violence on tonight's show went right back to that time. Looking forward to Fight for the Fallen, but I give this a 5 out of 10. Thank you, everybody, for uh, your very well-thought-out opinions, all, all of you guys. And uh, I want to thank you very much, Davey, for spending a whole evening with me because you're going to have to work very early in the morning tomorrow. I, I'm very used to that. It's fine. I've uh, enjoyed it. It's been great. Uh, if people want to hear more of your show, including your YouTube uh, channel and everything that you guys do, and if people want to see you live... Please uh, take the floor. Yes, we do. Uh, we host Up Next every Thursday on the Post Wrestling Network. Um, it, we've got our own feed, so search for Up Next, U-P-N-X-T, on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use to get your podcasts. Uh, we do weekly NXT reviews, plus takeover reviews, and about a kind of monthly movie review of just anything we feel like talking about. 
uh, we have a live show that we'll be doing during SummerSlam weekend. It is the NXT TakeOver Tailgate on August 10th from 1pm to 5pm, just before uh, the show starts at Wide Open in Toronto. Uh, You can get your tickets by going to postwrestling.com forward slash NXT Tailgate. Correct. Beautifully done. Yeah, we'll be there, John and I. Uh, it's it's kind of like a, a four hour window, so like people, I'm sure, will be dropping in and out. And Absolutely, just... it's it's a hangout, really. We're yeah. going to be doing a, a live Q and A and a watch along of Gargano and Almas. Um, we'll have a Mario Kart tournament going on, but mainly it's just going to be all us hanging in a bar, chatting, drinking, uh, getting to know each other, and getting hyped for the uh, what I'm sure is going to be a fantastic takeover. And as far as uh, the movie reviews go, uh, Britain David d- d- just did a, a review of Logan yes. uh, on their feed. You can find that on, uh, again, Up Next, or you can go to our website, postwrestling.com, and find all the links there. As well, you're putting up all these reviews on YouTube. Yeah, uh, we've got our uh, YouTube channel now. It's uh, BDE Official. Uh, sometimes Braden and I just go on there and play some 2K, uh, some WWE, or we'll, we put up our reviews uh we're we're trying to figure out this youtube thing uh so yeah keep an eye out on that and we'll be putting stuff up all the time uh on the feed right now this has been a very busy weekend uh and and made even more busy with the absence of john pollock who uh requires probably 10 people to to fulfill that that one person's job but on our website right now we have uh our latest uh, as we mentioned uh the up next review of logan we have on our patreon feed a rwanda way of wwf in your house 16 canadian stampede uh, which many consider to be one of the best shows in wwf history uh this was at the peak of the heart foundation versus uh, uh america storyline right before the survivor series of 1997 so do check that out uh also wh park has been very active on our website this week as well he and chris thunder from down under recently uh, this morning did a review of New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Showdown post show. So if you're on our iTunes feed, you can find that probably right beneath this show. Uh, if not, just go to postwrestling.com. That show is for free for everybody. As well, every Saturday morning, WH Park and a guest come back to review every G1 Climax final. And this past weekend, he just spent talking about 1999's Manabu Nakanishi versus Keiji Mudo match with Matt McEwen. Tomorrow morning, by the time people are probably listening to this on this feed, we'll also have his next show, which I believe is Manabu Nakanishi versus Kensuke Sasaki, and he'll be doing that one with JP. Um, I forget JP's last name. I'm so sorry, but uh, I, uh, JP Houlihan, of course. Yes, JP Houlihan. That's Cruel Summer episodes nine and ten, all out on our post wrestling feed. So thank you all for subscribing and thank you all for supporting. If you're one of the people watching us live right now, we do live streams uh, every pay- WWE pay per view post show, probably every AEW pay per view post show as well, as well as every Thursday for the cafe hangout. So thank you for uh, double double ice cap and espresso patrons. And everybody else, subscribe to this right now. I don't usually talk this much, Davey, so once you get me going, I talk a whole lot. So thanks a lot for Davey for joining us. Any any final words? Uh, no, I've had fun. Oh, I'd like to be back one day. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm sure you will be. We'll, we'll have plenty of uh, shows to do. So thank you all for watching, and uh, see you later. Ahoy!